We're going to look at a lot of passages today. Generally, we don't look at that many. I just quote them to you, but I want you to see some of these passages for yourself. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 17. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 17. And in verse 26. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, also, as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Thus it shall be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Now, Sue has already taken her place, and so have the musicians, so we're going to do this a cappella. You know what that means? No musical instruments. <laughs> if you guys will, let's put our, our song, Father, I Lift My Hands to Thee. Everybody here knows it. But I just have to set, I don't have a tuning fork, so I just have to set the, the key for us. Okay, you ready? Father, I stretch my hands to thee. No other help I know if I Myself from thee, ah, whither shall I go? Ah, whither shall I go? Amen. You may be seated. My heart is broken today. I'd like to invite your attention to Genesis chapter 19. My heart is broken because of what is going on in this world and the souls of men are lost and the glory of God is being tarnished. June is LGBT Pride Month. Here's what I've got off of the Wikipedia, off of the Internet. LGBT Pride Month is a month, typically June, dedicated to the celebration and the commemoration of lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender pride. Pride Month began after the Stonewall Riots, a series of gay liberation protests in 1969, and has since spread outside the United States. What does pride stand for? The word pride is an integral cultural concept within the lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, intersex community representing solidarity, collectivity, and identity, as well as resistance to discrimination and violence. Do you have your Bibles open? Genesis chapter 19. This is the first mention that I know of, of this sort of activity in Genesis 19. This is the story of the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. It falls my unhappy lot as a servant of the Lord. And by the way, I believe that all of you who know the Lord Jesus Christ, who are trusting him, and I've always believed this, you servants of the Lord too. But my particular service is in the ministry. My particular service is in teaching the scripture, teaching the word of God. 
And I am sworn to the Lord to teach all of Scripture. Over the years, I've taught through most every verse of every book in the Bible. Just two or three, we haven't gone through verse by verse. I've been here a long time, so I've had a lot of time to do that. And that is really my preferred manner of teaching, is to teach through books of the Bible in a verse-by-verse fashion. Sometimes I've done extended topical studies. Uh, I guess you would call it a topical study, like I'm doing now with the story of Joseph. But we're covering every verse about Joseph in Genesis. But as your pastor and as a teacher of the gospel, I cannot pick and choose my favorite subjects. I can't simply say this is what I like. I can't simply say this won't cause any offense. This won't ruffle any feathers. And so I just take those things into consideration and teach on that uh, because that's the popular thing. Now, we forget We forget when people are talking about the love of God and the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I believe in the love of God and the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. I just finished praying in his name and thanking him for his love and sending his son. But you know, the Bible says open rebuke is better than secret love. And the Bible says faithful are the wounds of a friend, but but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. And the Lord Jesus didn't just go around saying God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. If you don't believe me, read Matthew chapter 23 and 24 and following where he was very fiery there. And he said, you hypocrites, you generation of vipers, how will you escape the generation of hell? The Lord Jesus Christ had no time at all for self-righteousness. A self-righteous person is a person who's not a sinner. (laughs) Everybody that knows themselves to be a sinner, that comes to see that they're sinners, I believe most of the self-righteousness, or much of it, is taken out of them. And that's why they need a righteousness. That's why we need our Lord Jesus Christ. As your pastor, as your minister, as a servant of the Lord who has this particular area to serve in, I have to teach on these things. And of course, you know that here in Franklin... When I moved to Franklin, there were less than 5,000 people here, so I've been here a while. Highway 96 was not a good two-lane road. Out here, where we are now, was really out in the country. Some of these girls back here, they're from College Grove, and that was way out in the boondocks. That was out there a long way. So I've seen a lot of events. I've seen a lot of changes. I've seen a lot of things. But in the last year... We watch sometimes the local TV station. When I say local, I mean the Franklin television station. It keeps you abreast on what's happening in Franklin. You can see the aldermen. You can see the mayor. You can see what they're bringing up. You can see the development of subdivisions and their, uh, their positions on that. And oh, a few months ago, there was a man that they brought him up. And he had been going down to the town square for years, years going down there every Saturday morning with a small group of people and praying for Franklin, Tennessee and for the residents of Williamson County. And they called that in question. They called that in question and they came to to the point where they said, well, you need to have a permit. And he said, but this is a public square. So I won't tell you the result of all of that. And later on, the LGBTQ group came up months later, not in that same time, but months later. And four of the aldermen or representatives voted against having, giving them a, a permit to have a parade. And the other four voted for it. And the mayor of Franklin said, well, I'm going to vote for it. And so where I live, I'm only a stone's throw from where that was held this weekend. I don't know if it's going all week or if it's not, but I do know that the month of June, as I've just read from uh, from the uh, Wikipedia off of the Internet, is called Pride Month. So it falls my lot today to say some things about this. 
and I want you to see it from your own Bible. I'll, I'll try to read as many of them as I can. But in Luke chapter 19, some visitors came to Abraham and uh, then ended up going on to Sodom and Gomorrah. And the, the message, one of these persons Abraham addressed as Yahweh or Jehovah, as God. And uh, this person said to Lot, I'm going down there, and if the report that came up to me is altogether true, then I'm going to destroy it. Now, in the Bible, we have, I, I don't want to get too technical with you this morning, you have what you call anthropopathic language, anthropomorphic language. That means that we're, we're using uh, man to illustrate and help us understand what God is saying. So an anthropopathic statement would be statements like God became angry or God was happy. Pomorphic statement would be the body of God, like the right hand of God or the eyes of God or the mouth of God. The Bible says in John 4.24 that God in the essence of his being is a spirit. He's not an extended being like I am. If I came down here and prostrated myself here in the aisle, some of my body would be down this way and the other part of my body would be down this way and some would be that way. But God is everywhere present with all of his being at the same time. He's not an extended being. This is why the Jewish people, especially, and even... Gentiles have great difficulty in understanding that God came into the flesh and visited planet Earth in the person of Jesus of Nazareth. So one of these persons says to Abraham, I'm going down to Sodom and Gomorrah, and I'm going to destroy that city if what I've heard is true, and I told you about the anthropomorphic, anthropopathic, because God already knew what the situation was. But he's saying this so Abraham can understand and so we can understand reading it generations later. He knows what the, state, what the situation is. And this is when Abraham began to reason with him and said, now wait a minute. Suppose you find 50 righteous people there in the city. Would you spare the whole city for 50? And the Lord said, I'll spare it. He goes all the way down to 10 people. Verse, uh, chapter 19, verse 18, Lot, now I'm sorry, I've got the wrong, wrong chapter 19, Genesis <clears throat> chapter 19, I'm in the wrong chapter. <clears throat> and it goes from verse 1 to verse 29. And it says that Abraham, I was trying to find the uh, verses where the Lord and Abraham uh, begins to reason with him, and he says, will you destroy the city if there are 50 righteous? No. What about 40? What about 30? What about 20? The Lord said, I'll not destroy it if there's 10 righteous people there. Of course, there were no righteous people there. And you know the, the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. I think you do. There were two cities of homosexuals. And when Lot went into the city with his family. They came to the door after these angelic creatures of the Lord went in to that city. They came to the door and they said, we saw two strangers coming to you tonight. Bring them out that we may know them. And the word there translated from the Hebrew know is to know sexually. That we may have a sexual relationship with them. And at that point, those angels pulled Lot into the door. Lot began to make, try to make a deal with these people. He said, look, I've got two daughters that have not known man. I'll give them to you. And you have your way with them. And the angels pulled him in and shut the door. And the scripture says the angels blinded those people that were outside in that city and said to Lot, you get out of this city and you get your family and anybody else out of here that you won't spare for the Lord will surely destroy this city. 
And uh, Lot escaped from the city, and the city was absolutely destroyed. If you look at verse 23, verse 23, the sun was risen upon the earth when Lot entered into Zoar, and the Lord rained upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord of heaven, and he overthrew those cities and all the plain and all the inhabitants of the cities and that which grew upon the ground. But his wife looked back, Lot's wife looked back, and the Lord struck her, and she became a pillar of salt. In other words, her, she was out of the city physically, but her heart was still back in the city. So she looked back, and God told them, don't look back. And when they looked back, when she looked back, she was struck with judgment. Now I want you to turn to Leviticus chapter 18. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus chapter 18. Let's see if I can do a little better with this passage. Time to hurry because I have several things that I want to share with you. Leviticus 18. You can mark these passages and look at them later. And I'm sorry to have to bring this to you, but it's in the Bible and it's something we have to deal with. And as I read to you from the Gospel of Luke, the Lord Jesus Christ said, As the day of my approaching draws near. Now, everybody here that worships here regularly knows I'm not a prophet, nor the son of a prophet, and I'm not into predicting things. We might live another thousand years. I don't know how long it's going to be, but I do know this. The Lord said, when my time to return approaches, he says there's going to be a rise, a rise, of the type of character that was in Sodom and Gomorrah. We just read that in Luke chapter 17. Now, Leviticus 18, verse 22. Thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind. It is an abomination. Leviticus chapter 20 and verse 13. Leviticus 20. In verse 13, if a man also lie with mankind as he lies with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. They should surely be put to death. Their blood should be upon them. And said, Brother Sasser, that was under the law. Yes, it was. And we are not under the law of Moses today. But I do want to point this out to you. Everybody who's not under grace is under the law. Everybody that's not under grace, everybody that's not in Christ is not under grace. And everybody that's not in Christ and not under grace will be dealt with by the law. You are under the law. That person is under the law who is not under grace. The law has been put away for all of us who have Christ as our substitute because he satisfied all of the de demands of judgment against the people of God, those who believe in him, but those who are not in him will be judged by the law. Deuteronomy chapter 22, chapter 22 and verse 5 I could have just typed these out, but I wanted to read them with you. Deuteronomy chapter 22. And verse 5, The woman shall not wear that which pertains to the man, neither shall a man put on a woman's garments. All that do so are an abomination to the Lord. Why do you think the Lord did that? Because he knows the depravity of the human heart. And he knows that would be a temptation for both boys and girls to imitate and end up wanting to be like the opposite sex. All right? Let's look at the New Testament. Acts chapter 15. Again, this is a different study for me, a different sort of study. I'm sure it is for all of you, but at least you will have been exposed to it. Acts chapter 15 in the New Testament, which is a story of the, the acts of the apostles, what the, what the actions of the apostles, how the apostles, the church, went about carrying out the will 
of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the head of the church. Acts chapter 15. They were trying to decide what they should limit the Gentiles to. And this is what they came up with. Acts chapter 15, verse 28. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than those necessary things that you abstain from meats offered to idols and from blood and from things strangled and from fornication from which if you keep yourselves, you should do well, fare you well. Now, the word translated fornication here is the word pornaya, which is a word that not only includes adultery and fornication, but homosexuality, lesbianism, bestiality, and incest. That's the word uh, translated uh, fornication. Now, Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. <clears throat> in the New Testament, we know that the grace of God is set forth, and I want to make this clear this morning, that we're all sinners, and this is a certain class or category of sin, but it can certainly be forgiven, just like any other sin can, through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. It can't be put away by just trying to live a good life. It can only be put away by Christ himself by God, through faith in His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 1, the theme of Romans 1 is the Gentiles are under sin. Romans 2, the Jews are under sin. Romans 3, everybody's a sinner. Romans 4, what God has done about sin, justification. But here in Romans chapter 1, beginning in verse 24, well, we could start in verse 22, but we won't. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Verse 24, God gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves who changed or exchanged the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the Creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause, God gave them up unto vile affections. Now, affection is what we, how we love. We love things. A vile affection is loving what we ought not to love, loving what God says not to love, or not loving what He says we should love. Even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one to another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves the payback, the reward of their error, which was due or which was fitted. And they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, so he gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Now you notice in verse 24, he gave them up. And then in verse 26, he gave them up. And then in verse 28, he gave them over. He gave them over to a reprobate mind. An a, a reprobate mind comes from a Greek term, a documos, it means a, a, a mind that's not approved. It means a mind that has become abnormal and mistakes abnormality for that which is normal. So more and more in our society, people that will be what we call normal people are looked upon as abnormal because you're not going along with the trend. And the people who are Normal will be persecuted for being normal unless you're going to endorse the abnormality. All right, let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6. A lot more could be said about this, but you, can, you don't need any, any commentary on that right there. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 in the New Testament. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 9. Chapter 6, verse 9, Do you not know that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, 
no idolaters, no adulterers, no the effeminate, no abusers of themselves with mankind, no thieves, or covetous, or drunkards, or revilers, or extortioners, shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you're washed, you're sanctified, you're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Again, the word fornicators here is the word porno. You've heard that word, pornography. Porno, it refers to a male prostitute. It refers to unlectual, uh, unlawful sexual intercourse. All right, now turn over to near the end of the New Testament. Near end, I'm telling you that so you can find it. There's a little book called the Book of Jude. Just before you get to the book of Revelation, you find the last book in the Bible, Revelation, and just turn back a page or two, you'll find Jude, which only has 25 verses. This is what Jude says, beginning in verse 5. He said, I'm going to put you in remembrance, though you once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. Verse 6, Jude 6. And the angels once kept not their first estate. Now what is that? That's those angels that followed Lucifer. You can read about them in Revelation chapter 12. The angels that followed Lucifer in his rebellion. They kept not their first estate, but they left their own habitation. He has reserved an everlasting change under darkness unto the judgment of the great day, even as, verse 7, Sodom and Gomorrah, and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication, going after strange flesh, strange flesh going after the same sex as yourself is going after strange flesh, and they are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Jude says God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah as an example of that kind of lifestyle and how much he disapproves it. Now, all Christians have a battle. See if you can find Galatians, the Galatians chapter 5. We're looking at a lot of passages, but that's all right. I just want you to note these passages. You can go back later and read them and study them on your own. Galatians chapter 5, because we're being told today the Bible doesn't say anything against this kind of thing. And because we have mistakenly defined the love of God, I do want not want to minimize the love of God. But God loves that which is righteous and holy. And He's not going to love me if I'm not in His Son. If I'm not in His Son and I don't have his son's righteousness, and I'm not in submission to his son, I'm not going to find him a loving God. I'm going to find judgment. This is what we have to teach. Galatians chapter 5, beginning in verse 16. Galatians 5, verse 16. This I say, walk in the Spirit, and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. He's saying we all have a battle. My battle may not be with homosexuality, but I have other problems. I have other temptations that I have to deal with. For the flesh, he said, we're in a battle here. The flesh lusts against the spirit. The spirit lusts against the flesh. These are contrary the one to the other, so that you can't do the things that you want to. If I could, if I could do what I wanted to do, I would live perfectly and live above sin. But I'm constantly having to battle this. If you be led of the Spirit, verse 18, he says, you are not under the law. If you're led of the Spirit, the Spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, made known, which are these? Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, I'll comment on these in just a moment. Variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelings, which means out of, out of sight partying. I tell you before, I tell you now, as I've told you before, that 
that they which do such things, that practice them, that continue in them, shall not inherit the kingdom of God. The word translated lasciviousness is the word alegtha, and it means filthy and unbridled lust coupled with shamelessness. In other words, I am proud of what I should be ashamed of. Witchcraft is the word pharmakeia, the one from we get our word pharmacy, drugs. Deception has to do with deception and seduction from a depraved and altered mind. When the mind is on drugs, it's altered. It's not thinking right. It doesn't make right decisions. It does wrong things. Many of the inhibitions are removed. You know, I've used the illustration before that all of us, as long as we have our minds, there are things that we would never say. We've seen them. Everything you've ever seen and heard, and you hear somebody else use language you don't like, and you hear somebody tell something you don't like, and it's in there, but you would never use it yourself as long as you have your mind. Well, there's a little man inside your mind, I'm going to picture it this way, and he stands guard over that, over that door. And I've been in the room of, of I had a, an uncle, he just passed away, he's almost 100 years old. And he wouldn't even say golly. <laughs> he wouldn't say golly because it sounded too much like using God's name in vain. He wouldn't do it. But when he got old enough, his father was, lived a long time too, and, it, and the same thing happened to his father. And when he got old enough, and that little man that's in there took a siesta, you wouldn't believe what came out of his mouth. They couldn't believe it. Because everything you've heard and seen, you've got a recorder. These computers we have, they're just mimicking the human mind, the human brain. Nobody can make a brain but God. And every noise you've ever heard, everything you've ever seen, everything you've ever experienced, is all filed away. And as long as that little man is alert, most of it, you won't say anything about it, but if your mind goes away, there's no telling what'll come out. No telling. It's kind of funny. At the same time, it shows you how complex we are. All right, look at Second Peter chapter 2. I'm almost through now. Second Peter chapter 2, trying to give it to you in a kind of a, an order that's in the Scripture so we don't have to bounce around too much. Second Peter, near the end of the New Testament, chapter 2, he talks about Sodom and Gomorrah. We'll look at this briefly. Verse 4, Second Peter 2, verse 4. If God spared not the angels that sinned, that's those angels that followed after Lucifer, read about them in Revelation 12, as I said, but cast them down to hell and delivered them to chains of darkness to be reserved under judgment, and spared not the old world, but saved Noah and his family, eight people, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly, and verse 6, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes and condemn them with an overthrow, making them an example. We don't pay any attention to that example because we, we no longer believe the Bible. He made them an example after unto those that should afterward live ungodly. And he delivered Lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked in that city, but that righteous man dwelling among them and seeing and hearing all of these things vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. He says the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations and knows how to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. But chiefly, verse 10, them that walk after the flesh, that is, they're really strutting it. They're proud of it. 
in the lust of uncleanness, and they despise government. They're not going to be under anybody's rule. They're not going to let God tell them what to do. Not just the government of the United States. All of the governments of the world have delegated authority. The original authority is God, and he delegates authority to governments. He delegates authority to parents. He delegates authority to governors and to mayors. And they despise government. We're not going to have this man to rule over us. Presumptuous are they, self-willed. They are not afraid to speak evil, to belittle dignities, he says. And he says... Angels, which are much greater in power, verse 11, and might, do not bring a railing accusation against them before the Lord, but these, verse 12, as natural brute beasts are made to be taken and destroyed, speak evil of the things that they don't understand. They're just running off at the mouth. They don't understand the consequences of what they're saying, and they will utterly perish in their own corruption. And they will receive the reward of unrighteousness, verse 13, as they that count it pleasure to ride in the daytime. Again, they're unashamed. They're unashamed of what they're doing. Spots are they and blemishes, sporting themselves with their own deceivings, while they feast with you, having eyes full of adultery that cannot cease from sin, beguiling unstable souls, a heart they have exercised with covetous practices. They are cursed children. That's a, that's a fearful passage of Scripture. And let me tell you, the, the ones that are most endangered today are our children. I don't know if you saw on the news about these teachers that were doing things with these little students and getting them to pledge that they wouldn't tell mom and dad about it. and They wouldn't tell mom and dad about it. It'd just be their little secret. I want you to listen to what Jesus said about that. You can write this down. I'll just quote this one to you. You can write it down. It's Luke chapter 17. Jesus said to his disciples, it is impossible, but that offenses will come. But woe unto him through whom they come. It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he cast into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. To offend a child, to warp a child's mind, to bend them in a certain way that is against nature is a heinous sin. A heinous sin. And Peter warned us in 2 Peter chapter 3. He warned us of the scoffers that would come in the last days. There shall come scoffers in the last days saying, where is the promise of his coming? You Christians keep talking about Jesus coming, Jesus coming, Jesus coming. Since the fathers fell asleep, all things have continued as they were from a thousand years ago. We call that uniformitarianism. Everything's uniform. Nothing's changed. Same old stuff. And he goes on to say, for this they are willingly ignorant that God won't put up with stuff forever. And he goes on to tell how he destroyed the world with the flood, how he destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. They're willingly ignorant. Men today do not want to hear Scripture. They don't want to hear the Word of God. And so Jesus cursed those who would offend little ones. What are we to do? Well, I'll leave you with some, some simple instructions if you'll turn to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. And I'll quote a couple of other things to you. And you can write it down. Colossians 3. Here's what Peter tells us. We won't go over and read this one. Peter tells us in... 1 Peter 2.11 Dearly beloved, I beseech you 
live like a stranger and a pilgrim here, abstain from earthly, from fleshly lust, what's war against your soul. He's saying fight against the flesh, fight against the world, fight in your own self, because you, you've got all kinds of temptations come to you over the internet, come to you over the television, come to you in the movies, all of these things. He says you have to fight these things and live like you're a stranger here and a pilgrim here in a foreign land. 1 Peter 2.11. Colossians 3. Colossians 3. In beginning in verse 5. Mortify. That is put to death. Your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things sake the wrath of God comes on the children of disobedience. Fornication is the word uh, pornea, from which we get our word uh, pornography. Uncleanness is the word uh, as which means moral impurity. Inordinate affection is the word pathos. We get pathology from that. An affliction of the mind. Inordinate affection. The mind's messed up. Now you're loving things you ought not to be loving. You're hating things you ought to love. And then evil concupiscence. Epithemia. That is a constant lusting after what's forbidden by God. Constantly running after it, even though you know he says you need to go in the other way. That's his word, evil concupiscence. Now we ought to be weeping. I'm going to read one more to you. Which is Philippians 3. I could have had you turn there, but it's right next to Colossians. So you, you can turn to Philippians chapter 3 if you want to. We should be weeping and praying for those who are in this movement, who are ensnared by the enemy of the souls of men. People laugh at any kind of a evil spirit, you know, like the devil. And, and I've told our congregation, his name is Lucifer. Devil, Satan, serpent, dragon, those are all titles like Queen Elizabeth. Her name was not Queenie. <laughs> Her name was Elizabeth, but she was the queen. And Lucifer is the foe of God and of God's people. Again, Revelation 12. Go back and read that. And he's going to do all he can. It's not that he wants you and me that bad. It's that he's against. God. He's the arch enemy of God. And we're in the middle of it. And we should weep and pray for those who are in this movement who are ensnared by the enemy of the souls of men. Philippians chapter 3, verse 17. Brethren, be followers together of me and mark them which walk so as you have us for an example, for many walk of whom I told you, I have told you often, and I tell you now, even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. They glory in their shame, and they mind earthly things. So he said... Don't give up in this battle. Keep pressing on. Keep looking to the Lord who is your help and who is your strength. As David said in Psalm 121, I will lift up my eyes unto the hills from which cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord which made heaven and earth. He will not suffer your feet to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. He said, look to the Lord. He's the only unchangeable, immovable thing 
in the universe. Everything else changes. You're changing. I'm changing. The world is changing. And Jesus told us 2,000 years ago that this stuff was going to begin to happen. And I'm asking you, do you believe it? Because this is the first time we've always had these sorts of things in the world. Since Adam fell in the Garden of Eden, we've had these sorts of things in the world. But we've never had it on a worldwide scale. Not on a worldwide scale. Haven't had that. Not when it's promoted, when it's advertised, and when it's celebrated. As it is in Gay Pride Month. I pray the Lord will help you to pray for these people. To love them enough to try to witness to them and talk to them about the Lord. Because that's not, you know, there's only one sin you can't be forgiven for. One sin God won't forgive you for. (laughs) And that is if you die in the sin of unbelief, you're, you're damned. But it doesn't matter what you've done. Like I say... That hasn't been my problem, but I've had other problems. And I have to be saved just like anybody else has to be saved. Whether you're straight or gay, whether you're homosexual or heterosexual. Whether you're a milkman or the president of the United States, you must have the Lord Jesus Christ in order to stand before Almighty God accepted in the Beloved. That's what he says in Ephesians chapter 1. We are accepted in the beloved. And my dear friends, I am not saying that I hate these people. I keep saying this. I do not. But we need to love them enough to try to be a witness to them. Be, love them enough to speak a word and say, do you know anything about the Lord? Because they're being told today. We're being told today in the United States. That's why I want you to see all those passages. I could have just taken one and opened it up for you. But I want you to see them because in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, this sort of thing is condemned. I wanted you to see that. So that you'll have some ammunition that you can think about and pray about and uh, be a witness to those who are caught up in this. And especially to pray for to do all you can to be a good and positive influence for our children. I, I'm, just, I'm just torn to shreds when I think of how the boys and girls come into this world so bright-eyed and excited about everything, how their lives can just be ruined. And many of them now have been encouraged to take certain chemicals and drugs to change their gender. I saw some testimony the other day on television of people that had that done, and they're now testifying what a regret they had. And you know, this thing, I'll leave you with this, and I've said this many times before. If you came into this world with a male soul, you're going to leave with a male soul. You can do anything you want to these bodies, but you can't change, you can't alter that soul. And the Lord doesn't make any mistakes. If you came in here as a female, you're going to die with a female soul and spirit. You can alter your body. These bodies are called temporary dwelling places in the New Testament. They use a Greek term from the Corne Greek that means a temporary dwelling place, often translated tabernacle. The tabernacle was what God dwelt in while the children of Israel were wandering in the wilderness. They moved from place to place, and he was in that tent. He was in that tabernacle. Then when they got in the promised land, they built a temple, a permanent dwelling place for God. So you are dwelling in a temporary dwelling place. And if you were born a man, you're going to die a man. And if you were born a woman, you're going to die a woman. And if God made you a man, he did it on purpose. And if he made you a woman, he did it on purpose. A lot of times parents are such bad influences or no influence at all that we are to blame many times for a lot of the problems of our children. But we can still pray for them. We can still go back and talk to them and say, I 
I made a mistake, and I want you to know I still love you, and I'm praying for you, and your only hope is the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a sad, sad commentary, isn't it? Oh, I hate to bring these things to you, but they're in the Scripture, and we have to bring them up. And may the Lord add his blessings on the teaching of his word. Let's stand together. I'm going to pray over the food. I hope you'll come over and fellowship with us and enjoy all of this food that we have over here. Uh, And we'll have fellowship together and enjoy the blessings of the Lord. All right. Our Father, we call upon you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and how our hearts cry out to you and ask you to have mercy upon this world. Ask you, Father, to use us as some kind of testimony, witness, some kind of light. We might hold up the Word of God and tell people you're going the wrong way. The bridge is out down that way. The bridge is out. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found, and call ye upon him while he is near. This generation of rebels, Father, we ask you to have mercy upon them and to change their minds and change their hearts and cross their path and do whatever is necessary to get their attention that they might cry out to you for the great salvation that you've given us in your Son. I ask that you will forgive us of our sins, that you will cleanse us from all unrighteousnesses, that you'll put your word in us and fill us with your Spirit Cause us to walk in your way, that our Lord Jesus Christ might be glorified. Now I pray that you'll bless our fellowship together, bless our time together, and our bodies with the food that you've prepared for us. I ask it in the name of the Lord Jesus. I ask it for his sake. Amen. And you're dismissed. Thank you.